All right. So for those of you who don't know me, let me introduce myself quickly. My name's Tim Gillio. I'm on staff here. I get the opportunity of working with our First Impressions team and then also our young married group called Married Under 40. So uh, this morning, Pastor Josh comes into, uh, I share an office with a, another guy on staff named Ricky. He comes into our office and the words out of his mouth essentially were, hey, do any of you, either of you have anything on your heart that God has put for you to share, uh, to, make a, to make kind of a little bit of a longer story short, to make a little bit of a longer story short, uh, this morning I got up and I, got up, I get up about six o'clock in the morning and I always try to read my Bible and then I'm also reading, uh, I try to read every, every day a story of someone that's doing radical things for God. Because I believe that God doesn't, Jesus didn't save us to just be kind of like stagnant, right? He saved us for a purpose. I love what Pastor Dwayne will say. Pastor Dwayne said if he wanted you just to go to heaven, he would have taken you there the moment you got saved. But he left you here. All of us are still breathing air because we have purpose inside of us. So I always read these stories about people doing radical things for Jesus. Well, this morning I read this story of this guy uh, in Vietnam, North Vietnam. This guy's going out to, to different tribes around the area and preaching about who Jesus is. And the government kind of hears about it. And he's riding his bike. And what the story says is he's riding his bike. The, the road is so rough. He's traveling back from this village to his home. The road is so rough, it says it takes his constant attention to look down. And then he looks up, and out of nowhere, there's six bike, police officer bicyclists around him, and they take him down, and they arrest him, and they throw him in prison. I don't know about you guys, but if I got thrown in prison, I'd kind of think that it was not a good place to be. I would begin to try to, try to seek ways to get out of this place, but this guy did something different when I was reading this morning. It said that as he was in there, he began to share the gospel with the people that were in with him. So he begins to witness. He, he, he views it as a missionary journey, so to speak. And he begins to share the gospel with the people that are around him. And it says that people from all around the world start writing, saying, you need to release this guy from prison. You need to release him from prison. You need to release him from prison. And it gets to the point where the government's like, okay, we're going to release him after half of the time. So they go to him and they say, hey, we want to let you know that, that you're released. And this is what this guy does. He says, no. And why he said no is he knew that God had something for him even in that prison, even being there, God had a plan and a purpose and something that God wanted to do through him. So what I want to talk to you guys about today is I want to talk to you about knowing you, knowing you're called, knowing you're called. I think most of us would agree that the world is kind of crazy right now. There are a lot of crazy things going on in this world. And whatever your view is, we would all say that today is not what it's normally like, right? We would say this is a unique time. It's never been like this before. If, I, if, if we could get a time machine, if I had a DeLorean and a flux capacitor, for those of you who are, 
<laughs> Back to the Future fans. If I had a DeLorean and a flux capacitor, we could all pile in this thing, and we could crank it back five months or six months, and we go back to January, I don't think any of us would describe what's going to happen to be like what's happening right now, right? It's, it's very unusual. It's very weird. Here's the thing. Even in moments like this, even in moments like this, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And we get, we get the opportunity, opportunity to either partner with what God has for us or to say, no, I'm okay. It's our choice. Pastor Josh, a couple weeks ago, started unraveling this concept of living this radical faith life. We've been, in, we've been in conversations about this for, for several months, about what does it look like to, to live a life of radical faith? I look at, I look at some people, and, and they go out and they preach, like, like Mike Benson. He goes out and he preaches, and he sees multitudes saved, and he, he's praying for people's healing, and that's a radical faith life. And then you look at people like uh, Greg Moljan, who works with the Dream Center downtown, and he's given up so much to just give his all to the people that live in downtown Grand Rapids, and that's a radical faith life. And we could pick out all these different people and say they're living radical faith lives, but they all look so different. Right before I came up, I had a verse kind of come to mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this. It says, now there are various, there are varieties of gifts, but they're all the same. They're all, they're all of the same spirit, but the varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. And then it goes on to say this. I love this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says this. For even as the one body is one and yet has many members... And all the members of the body, though they are many, are of one body, also so it is in Christ. It's like we all have so many different talents. We all have so many different giftings. I was, I was sitting down there during worship, and uh, the worship team was going, and I was thinking about Alec, who's playing this thing. <laughs> He's playing a box, essentially. And I wish he was in here right now. I don't see him in here, but I wish he was in here. Because I remember when he was in, like, even before high school, I remember him even before high school, and to see the, the, the distance he's come. But if I tried to sit down on this thing and be like Alec, it would not be so good, right? All of us have so many different gifts and talents that if I try to operate in the gifts and talents of someone else, it's not going to go so well. So what I've got to do is I've got to realize that God has, a, God has gifts and callings for me, just like God has gifts and callings for you wherever you're at, whether you're in here, whether you're online, wherever you're at, God has specific gifts and callings that he's placed inside of you. And I'd, I'd add, for such a time as this. God chose us to be here for such a time as this. So, so I want to talk to you about this idea of radical faith life. If all of us are called to a radical faith life, it doesn't mean that all of us are called to be exactly the same. Do you get that? But God doesn't want us all to be the same person. He wants us all to be uniquely ourselves, to operate how he created us, and to do the things that he's called us to do. In Ephesians... In Ephesians 2, 
verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Most of us have probably heard that verse before, where it says it's created in advance for us to do. Do you know what it takes for something to be done in advance? It takes forethought. It takes planning. It takes preparation, which means God doesn't just, like, throw us together. No, he specifically knits us in a very unique way, just like he created us. And then he puts us in a unique time, and he says, now I've got something for you. Go. And all of us are now sitting here in, wow, I can't believe I'm about to say this, July, (laughs) July 1st, 2020. And all of us get the opportunity to say, I'm going to choose to partner with what God has for me. I love John 10.10. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said that I come to for life and life abundant. That verse kind of parallels these two different plans that there are for your life. God's got a plan for your life. He's got intentions for your life. And the devil has a plan for your life and intentions for your life. And the question all of us have to ask ourselves is, what do we want to partner with? So, I'm going to hop into this for a second. So, radical faith life. Um, I looked up what the definition of radical was because, I mean, I kind of had a concept, but I'm like, I wonder what radical is. So, this is what the definition of radical is. It says, relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something, or far-reaching and thorough. And I, I, I took that, and I said, well, if, if, if radical means affecting the fundamental nature of something, what does radical faith mean? And what popped into my mind with that was kind of doing one of the compare and contrasts that many of us probably did when we were in young school or, or maybe still do. But I said, well, if, if radical faith le- life fec- affects the fundamental part of something, well, what is the opposite of that? And the first thing I thought is the opposite of a, a, of a radical faith life isn't a life of radical evil. That's not the opposite. That's an opposite in some way. But really, the opposite of a radical faith life would be a life of faith that doesn't affect any part of us, right? If radical faith affects the fundamental part of our being, the opposite would be a faith that really has no effect on our life. Can I tell you that some of the saddest things I've heard are people that are stuck in this moment where they know who God is, but they don't submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior? They know that God exists. They know that Jesus came down, but they choose not to let that that truth impact their everyday life. The opposite of a radical faith life is is living a faith that has no impact on your Tuesday. So many people choose to just come to church to check it off a list to say, good, I got it done. Now let me go be doing what I want to do. Where what God says is, no, we come to church to get built up as saints to go out and do the work of the ministry, right? We're supposed to come here 
get built up, charged up, radical in our faith so that we can go out those doors and we can say, I'm ready to do everything that God has for me to do. I was thinking about, I was thinking about some guys like David in the Bible. David was a man of radical faith. He made, he made it so his belief in God affected everything for the most part. <laughs> I should have a disclaimer in there. Like a little asterisk at the bottom of the page. Look at, here's a few moments where he didn't let. For the most part, David was a man that took his relationship with God and made it impact everything that he did. That's what we're called to do. I was thinking of Paul in the Bible. You know, Saul who became Paul, Saul of Tarsh. This, this guy knew who he was and knew what God called him to do. And when I looked at these men of the Bible, you, could, you, can, go through a, you can go through a farther. You could think of Peter knew who he was. He knew what God had called him to do. He messed up. He repented, he changed the way he thought, and then he went out and did what God had called him to do. We can look at these, we can look at men in history. How many of you guys have ever heard of a guy named Polycarp? Polycarp is a, uh, a church leader from long ago, just after kind of the last, uh, the last disciples of Jesus had, had lived. Polycarp was living in that time period right around there. Polycarp, Polycarp was a crazy man who knew who he was, knew that God had called him to lead the church. And when bad times and trouble came, it didn't affect him because he's like, I know who I am and I'm going to do what the Lord has told me to do. And he went out to the point of even sacrifice. He gave up his life for the mission of the church. We can look at these men and there's really two themes that I see weave through all of their life. The first one is, they always knew who they were in Christ. They knew who they were. They had their identity not founded in the feelings of the things that they've got going on, but no, they founded their identity in who Jesus said that they were. So the first thing we have to do is we have to know who we are in Christ. The second thing is they knew that they were called to do incredible things for the gospel. They all may have looked different in their, in their walking out of their calling, but they all knew that they were called for a specific purpose. I think of Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa made a huge impact in our world by literally getting down in people's lives and saying, I'm here with you. That was a radical faith life. So the question that we have to answer is, what is God calling us to do? And then in order to do that, we've got to know who we are in Christ. And when we know who we are in Christ, then we have to say, God, what is it that you're calling me to do to live my radical faith life? Because just like me and Alec, if I try to do what he's doing over there, I'm going to get so frustrated how many of you guys here, if you're watching online, how many of you have ever tried to do, tried to be like somebody else? Yeah, I mean, most of us are like, at one point in time, whether it's on the basketball field when we're, or basketball court when we're seven, or when we're in the office and trying to be like someone else or whatever, most of us would say, sometime in my life, I've tried to be like somebody else. How often does that fail? Right? Every time we try to be like somebody else, 
it doesn't go well. You might make it, you might get like a 90%, like I'm doing 90% well, but that last 10% is going to frustrate you like no other. I can go through stories in my life where I've tried to be like somebody else. Uh, when I first got saved, I was, I was 16, I first got saved, graduate high school a few years later, go off, to, go off to college, come back, and I come on staff here, and I meet a guy named Daniel Vanderklok, he's a pastor on staff here, and him and I get connected, and we become best friends. And I remember, I remember going behind a boat on a wakeboard trying to be like Pastor Daniel. Let me tell you, it hurt physically because he would do something. I'd be like, I can do that. If you haven't been wakeboarding, if you don't do things the right way, the board stops moving in the water. The problem is you're holding on to a rope that's connected to a boat that keeps moving. Therefore, something's got to give, right? Either your hands let go. I can't tell you how many times I've face, I face planted into water like that, and you get up, and hopefully your nose isn't bleeding. Oftentimes it was just a nice flush of the sinuses. But you get up. I'm not Daniel. I'm not Alec. I can't be them. Even in speaking, there are times when I try to be other people than I am. And it's like, it never works well. But if I can be Tim, I am the only person in this world that can do Tim right. You know what I mean? Yet so often I waste so much energy trying to be other people and do what other people do. But what did it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? It said, everybody is different, but we're all a part of the same body. Now, I'm going to pause and put a little disclaimer here. I'm not calling you to be lazy because we are called to step outside of our comfort zone. I got a football over here. In eighth grade, I played football. It was a great time. And it was the most challenging time of my life. I played five games of the 10-game season. The fifth game, I broke my knee because, because I didn't know I was called. I'm going to use this analogy. I didn't know I was called to be in that position. But one thing, one thing I want to say before I talk more about football real quick is, if the football always stays where it's comfortable which is behind the line of scrimmage, it's virtually impossible to score a touchdown. If the quarterback grabs a football and just stands behind the line of scrimmage like this, it's going to be really hard to score a touchdown. Instead, the football's got to get in an uncomfortable place that's on the other side of the line of scrimmage, whether that's a running back grabbing it and running through or it's passing it to a receiver. The, quarter, the, the, the football has to get outside of its comfort zone to make an impact in the game. So eighth grade, I'm playing football. We, uh, we third down, and I think it's about third down and eight or third down and nine, and we get stopped. We don't get it. So we're punting. We're about our 20-yard line, and we're punting. Remember, eighth grade, so the football's going to go a little ways, but not too far, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm a tight end. I'm on the end, and I didn't know how to be strong and how to be confident in my position. 
and I didn't know what to what to do necessarily. So I line up, and I remember through the whole season, this is me admitting my failures to you. I remember through the whole season, I get down, and the guy next to me, I'm like, "What am I supposed to do?" <laughs> Because I didn't know who I was, I didn't have confidence in who, who I was in, my, in football, so I never was fully free to do what I was supposed to do. So I'd always ask him, what am I supposed to do? And he would kind of tell me quickly, so I'd get down, and I remember uh, the, the play was happening. It got hiked, and our, our punter kicked it, and it went to the other far side of the field. So I, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I remember I'm supposed to kind of sweep out, and then I come around. And I remember coming around the other side of the, the, the ball. I'm coming from the backside, and there's two of my teammates tackling the guy with the ball. If I would have just jumped on the guy with the ball, I would have participated in the tackle I would have been good, but instead, because I wasn't confident in my, in my call in the football play, I paused. And at that moment when I paused, they fell at me, and they took this knee backwards to the ground. When we are not confident, we can't be free to do what God has called us to do. Just like in that football play, when I'm not confident to do what God has called me to do, I pause. There are times in life when I'm trying to do things and I don't know my confidence because I don't know who I am in Christ. I pause and it never goes well. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 says this. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are saved by grace. We know we're saved by grace. John 8.36 says that we are freed. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We're, we're saved by grace. We're freed. We're restored and forgiven. If you read Hebrews chapter 9, it says we're restored and forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are made new. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Do you know that one of the enemy, the, the devil's number one thing is trying to bring up your past, right? You're made new. It doesn't mean like you're polished up so you look new. The word there literally means something that has never existed before. How awesome is that? If we know who we are in Christ, we can operate with confidence. The Bible says that we're above and not below. We're the head and not the tail. So often, though, it's easy to live our life based out of feeling, but we've got to choose to live our life based on who Jesus says that we are, based on the Bible, then we can have confidence. And when we have confidence, we don't run up to the tackle, to the, to the, to the football, and stop and let the, them fall on you and crush your leg. No, you jump on them and say, I'm in this, and I know what I'm supposed to do. We don't pause. So we know who we are, and then we know that we're called. We have to be confident in the fact that God has called us. I'm going to end with this. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, 
plans to give you a future and a hope. I want you guys to know this. Walking out these doors, I want you to know that God has something amazing for you. God has an incredible future. He has incredible things for you to accomplish for his kingdom. It does not matter the place we find us. He has something incredible for us to accomplish. Do you know that you're called? Would you guys mind closing your eyes for a moment? As I was getting ready and preparing this, the one thing that crept into my heart over and over and over again was when we're confident in knowing who we are and knowing that God has a call on our life, when challenges come in those moments, it's easy to rest in that and to keep moving forward. But when we don't know who we are in Jesus and we don't know the call that we're operating in, when those challenges come, it's hard. God has something incredible for you. I was thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three guys found in the book of Daniel. These three guys because they knew who they were, because they knew the call that was on their life and the life that they were supposed to live, even in the midst of being thrown into a fire by a king who was angry at them, they could look at him and say, my God can save me. But even if he doesn't, I still will worship him alone. As the story progresses, they get thrown into the fire And who's in the fire with them? Jesus is in the fire with them. I love the moment in the story when when the king yells out, hey, how many people did we throw in there? And they yell back, three. And the king says, well, why are there four guys? And the fourth one looks like the son of God. When we know who we are in Jesus, even in the midst of a fiery trial, even in the midst of COVID, even in the midst of things shaking like jobs and income, even in the midst of that, we can continue to press forward saying, God has a call on my life and I'm gonna keep chasing after it. So this is what I'm gonna do. If you're in here, I'm not gonna ask questions. We're not gonna go through anything. Everyone's got their eyes closed. I've got my eyes open just so I can connect with you, so I can unite with you in prayer. But if you are in here and you would say, I'm going through something where I just need a little bit more strength, I just need a little bit more of the peace of Jesus in my life. If that's you and you're going through something, can you just raise up your hand? If you're online, I'm believing that you're going to receive this as well. Just raise your hand where you're at. Yep, raise your hand. There's hands going up. Hands going up. Yep. Father, as these hands are lifted, Lord, I pray that you fill them up right now, that you give them everything that they need. Jesus, I pray that your peace would flow into their life, even right now with this next breath that they take. As they breathe in, I pray that your peace would fill them. Holy Spirit, fill them up. Show them the call that you have on their life. Show them that you have incredible things for them.
Show them who they are, Jesus, in you so that they can walk with boldness and confidence. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Now I want to do one more thing before we walk out of here and before we end this service. Whether you're here or you're online, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's the most incredible thing you can do, and it's the biggest step you can make toward walking out what God has for you, is to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says, know that you know. There should be no doubt that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three if that's you. One, if you're ready to give your heart to God, give it to him right now. Two, if that's you, raise your hand. Three, raise up your hands right now if that's you whether you're online or you're in here. Father, I thank you for every person that's raising their hand right now, Lord. I, show, I pray that you show them who you are, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you came for the forgiveness of sins. Whether you're online or you're here, can you repeat after me and say, Jesus, today I give myself to you. I ask you to forgive my sins, to restore me, to make me new, I confess that Jesus is Lord, that he died for my sins, and that he rose again. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen.